G'day everyone. Welcome to the fifth installment of the Mungrel Punt podcast. I'm here as always with the lovely Mrs. Mungrel, Brownlow Medal and Grand Final Review Specialist. Three articles per year. At the pointy end of the season, we like to save the best for last. Mm-hmm. We also publish Mrs. Mungrel's articles at that point of the year. Um, <laughs> we're recording this on Sunday evening, February 16th. We've just finished our last AFLW game and our full review is up on the site as we speak. So uh, I'd like to thank Matt Passmore, Daniel John Kershaw, and Alex Doherty for their input and help with uh, the round review. So we're proudly presented by the best independent footy site on the net, themongrelpunt.com. As voted by us. Yes, well, you know, we run internal polls, and <laughs> in those internal polls... I'm the best writer here. You get 50% of the vote <laughs> in those internal I'll polls. I'll take it. We're producing free content every week. This week we've got... Articles up from Tom Basso on the future of State of Origin following the Bushfire Relief game. Really, it's not a State of Origin game for anybody outside of Victoria. But, you know, it's a good cause. We've got articles on Tex Walker's 2020 and the mooted switch to the wing. One of your favourite words, mooted. Moot, moot, moot. I do love it. Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe it just sounds like something. Um, We're looking at whether the Giants can use 2020 as a season of redemption. And we've got some content for members up as well. The good stuff, really, people. So if you're not a member, this is one of the benefits. You get the good stuff if you join up. If you're not a member, you just get me. Your articles. Yeah. 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 I get you. (laughs) If you're lucky. I'm not paying for that. (laughs) (laughs) So... So we've got articles on the on the breakout season of players that could have a breakout season in 2020, and we've ranked the top 20 recruits of the year for the upcoming season uh, as per their expected performance. Um, before we get stuck in, I'd like to give a shout out to Michael Pratt over in WA who gave us some very sage advice and took the time to write a couple of detailed emails around the podcast and around our website. Really appreciate any constructive advice you guys want to send through. Constructive advice, please don't hang shit. I'm very sensitive. Michael runs a business called Round One Fitness. He's a bit of a gym junkie. The old Michael, get you in shape if you want to give him a call. If you're in the area of, I'm going to call it Coburn, C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N Central. It's Cockburn. It's, look, I went to school with it's a Cockburn. guy <laughs> who spelled his name that way. And he was pretty adamant that his name was Tommy Coburn. Cockburn. Well... Well, there's a few of our readers probably <laughs> shifting uncomfortably in their seats right now. Had a bit of cockburn themselves over their journey. <laughs> if you want to give Michael a call on nine four one four double one four one, tell him the mongrel punt sent you and that we're really thankful for his advice. Maybe he won't charge a double. Let's get on to business, huh? So Dame Beams has called called a quits on his career. How old is he? That's your question. 28. He's 30. You were so, so close. There's no one that follows footy that kind of didn't see this coming. He's he's retired due, due to mental health problems and what that looks like and how it looks for him in the future, we're not going to really dive into too much because it's obviously a very private issue. But what we want to do is have a look at what it means for Collingwood and how it's going to impact their 2020 and the next couple of years because he's contracted until the 2022 season is this the same guy who plays like a couple of suburbs up like Craigieburn? no that's that's dane swan he went and played up there i don't believe dane's got any mental health problems i believe 
he doesn't think that much at all. <laughs> no, Dane Swan comes across as a knockabout bloke. So I, I think he just kind of rolls with the punches. Nothing much phases him. I've never met anyone called Dane. Now there's two. There's there two. There's another one in uh, Brisbane as well. What? Dane Zorko. Oh, Danny Zorko. Yeah, Danny Zorko from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> where's that? Where's that T-Bird's jacket? <laughs> Looks really cool. I want to get one of them. Anyway, Dean, Dane Beams is contracted for this and two more years. And it could mean that the Pies are obliged to pay his contract out. At the moment, he's going through negotiations and that money will have to be counted towards the salary cap, even though he will not be playing a part in the team. So because it's mental health, Beams can actually claim that this is just as, as a significant injury as anything to do with his body. So if he done his knee or something like that, he could claim that money from Collingwood as an injury. Now, he's in negotiations at the moment. What will probably happen is he won't be paid all of it, but he's due somewhere in the vicinity of $1.5 over the next three years. So some percentage of that will be paid to him and he'll finish up with the club. He's extremely ill, I would assume, to have to leave. Well, it's not the first time he's taken time off for mental health. And on last Thursday night, he was involved in a car accident, taken to hospital, and the, the announcement was made within, I suppose, 12 hours, I think, maybe 24 hours. So you would think that he's obviously not doing great. There were people at Collingwood when this deal was made. They knew what they were doing. It was a pretty big gamble to get him back to the club, and I wonder how much romanticism was involved in bringing him home. Bit of nostalgia. A little bit. He was a 2010 Premiership player with those guys, and I'm sure that people there were trying to do the right thing by him, and hopefully by the club as well, by bringing him back. There's a guy in charge there recruiting. His name's Ned Guy. Ned Guy? Yeah, Ned Guy. Love it. He was in charge when this occurred, but you know Eddie Maguire pulls the strings there. And Nathan Buckley would have had a big say in whether they went out and recruited Dame Beams. So it's a it's not a great situation. I mean, someone I read the other day was saying that they've torpedoed their list by having him on there because they now have to re-sign Dugowie and Darcy Moore in the next 12 months. Otherwise, one of them is gone. So I'm not really sure how that sits. But they have no money. Well, they'll find money. <laughs> they'll probably just let someone else go. To do it. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost him one way or another. Even if they talk him down to say, let's say, 300000 a season and he gets paid out. Because that's probably on the table, something like that. It's going to be really hard to make up. That, that's a, a quality player that they're going to be missing as a result of paying him out. So I'm not sure whether it torpedoes the list. But uh, you have to kind of question. They gave up a first rounder and a future first rounder to get him back to the club. And he's ended up playing 11 or 12 games. And that's it. But they knew he had existing mental health issues he, when they did that. He had taken time off when he was in Brisbane. So Brisbane, in a way, have really dodged a bullet here. Yeah, but it seems a little bit cocky. I would imagine someone would be thinking that, well, that happened in Brisbane. He's obviously not happy there. You know, he can come back here and perform the same way he did. Mm, it was funny because right before the trade period, he attended the Brisbane Best and Fairest and made a speech where he let all the players know how much he loved these guys and how much he was going to, how much he wanted to stay with the team. So within a week and a half, two week turnaround, he'd gone from being completely committed to going, Hey, I wouldn't mind going back to Collingwood. His father passed away while he was up in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And the consensus is that he it really hit him very hard as it would, obviously, but um, has had a lot of trouble getting past it. So he's had the mental health stuff since then. 
and I suppose you know whether it impacts Collingwood or not, whether they are able to navigate around the the salary or not. I suppose the overarching thing is there's nobody that wishes him any ill will and just hope that he kind of gets his life on track and is able to sell some of that art he's been producing. What? What art? He's an artist now. Is he? Not really. What kind of art? Don't ask me questions without notice. Oh, I gotta know. I have to know this. <laughs> no, he's been doing some art as, um, I believe, art therapy. Oh, <laughs> I'm not a little sure. bit different. I'm not YouTubers. sure if he's been so he's like having an exhibition or something. Really? So, yeah. That's nice. He was having a bit of a crack at that. So obviously it's something that settles his mind and gives him a little bit of a, I suppose, an out. I want to move on to some injuries that aren't mental health at the moment. Um, I want to talk a bit about uh, Charlie Curnow. So we had Kane Corns come out during the week. And Kane Corns is probably the AFL version of a shock jock at the moment. You screwed your face up. But in his defense, he's one of the only AFL commentators who says what he thinks. He doesn't toe the party line. He doesn't kind of hear someone else's opinion and make it his own. If he doesn't like something, he says it. And he's basically come out and said that Charlie Curnow has let Carlton fans down let the fans who put money into the club down by not looking after himself in the off-season. What's his injury and what did he do? So Kerno hurt his knee during the season last year, uh, spent the rest of the season out. In the off-season, he was playing basketball with a couple of other Carlton players and re-injured the knee, which set him back. And then I think we discussed this once before, while he was at home, he, in inverted commas, slipped on the tiles and injured himself for a third time. Now it's come out that this injury is more serious than first thought and he won't play for the first half of the year and he's a young bloke he's 23 years old he needs time on the park to get better and for his teammates to start gelling with him a really really talented guy what he came out and said was that he is not going to worry about what Kane Corn says I'm only going to worry about what things that I can control my problem is is that his knee was something he could control and he's cocked it up twice in the off season already so if he's left to his own devices He's not doing that well anyway. Even if we overlook him slipping on the tiles. Because... Inverted commas, slipping on the tiles. Yeah, I, I don't I... know what he's up to, but something's up there. Well, as I said, he's 23. Yeah, I'm invincible. Invincible yeah. and not over bright. Anyway, Joel, Joel Hamling over in Fremantle, injured an ankle. They've said it's significant damage to the ligaments of his left ankle. And he's looking unlikely for the start of the season. Frio can't take a trick at the moment. They've had... a. Uh, Brad Hill and Ed Langdon leave. They've got Blake Akers on the list. They've picked up James H, but they've lost all their leg speed. Arguably their second best midfielder is, I think, 33 years old, maybe 34, and he's recovering from a broken leg. And now they're losing key, key defenders. Not real good. And it's going to... I think it might be time for Nat5 to put the cape on and start playing everywhere because they're just really struggling with injury already. All they need now is Alex Pierce to get hurt again because he can't play out of season. What, did, what does the team do if everybody's injured? They just do nothing and they're rubbish? In a nutshell? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Like, everyone can play, but obviously players are... Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> there, <there's> Technically. Degrees <laughs> that are different. Like, I could join the local women's club and play. I don't think you should do that. I definitely don't think I should Joel do that. Joel Hamling, he was second in the league in, in the stat called one percenters. Right? I don't know why they call it one percenters. It's basically just going up and spoiling the ball. So they call it one percenters and they throw in... Things like shepherds and spoils, knock-ons and um, smothers. And I don't know why they have, don't just have these stats all individually, you know, categorized. It just seems like it's laziness to me. 
it's champion data. I'm not really a fan of those guys at the best of times. If you're paying these guys to do stats for you, you should have them do it properly. But anyway, he was second in the league in that stat, and they're going to miss him greatly. Hope he gets better quick. Uh, Stephen May, the walking injury, hurt again. He came down from Gold Coast in a trade, uh, went to Melbourne, and because he went to Melbourne, they were having a horrible season. Stephen May had a horrible season, played six games for the year, and now has had a bit of a knee procedure again. Uh, he looks like the sort of guy whose fitness falls away really quick, so I doubt he'll be ready for round one. The club reckons he'll only be not running for a week or two, so... How old is he? Yeah, mid-20s, let's just say that. Yeah, Probably right. about 26. It's going to get worse for him when he's in his 30s. Yeah. Your fitness um, falls away in two days. And when you're in your 40s... It you just don't have any. Exist. You don't have any to begin with. <laughs> you got Max Gorn's gone down with a knee, but he's back and running without a knee brace this week, so that was good. Unfortunately, his backup also went down with a knee injury, so they've gone from having the best ruck and a pretty able backup to having no one at the moment. So everyone's pulling for Max Gorn to get back for round one. Another big man, Tom Bell Chambers, great name. Tom Bell Chambers has gone down at Essendon with a knee injury, and. Uh, Look, I suppose the the only upside for this is that they've picked up Andrew Phillips from Carlton to fill the hole, and he's a damn sight better. Well, anyone's a damn sight better than Zach Clark, who they had there last year. He was absolutely horrible. And, of course, there's Joe Danaher. He has an annual groin injury. He'll be out for at least half the year. <laughs> Not that sort of groin injury, I'm How sure. That, you know? Yeah, well, maybe he exacerbated it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Ballard is out at Gold Coast, going to need around 12 weeks to recover from a shoulder reconstruction. He had to carry a huge load last year when the, the Suns were really struggling, and he was playing on guys that were bigger, stronger than him, and he's you know, very young. He's Ask me how young he is. How young is he? Well, pretty young, actually, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's shown plenty in the process, but he was outmatched last year, and now he's going to be sitting down for a while. Ollie Wines, got a bung shoulder again. Seems to be a well. This time he didn't do it while he was water skiing, so that's I suppose a a bit of a positive. Um, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, you like that name, don't I you? I love that name. What a great yeah. name. He's got a calf strain, so he's uh, taking it easy. Connor McKenna has flown back home for homesickness, which is an oh. actual illness these days, apparently. How old is he? Early twenties. And where is he? Ireland. Oh well, okay. So he did go back there last year during the season for his brother's wedding. Yeah. And then he ended up playing a game of Gaelic football over there as well and didn't tell Essendon that he was doing it. So I think the pull of home's very, very strong for him. I'm sorry, but he needs to tell Essendon he's doing that when, you know, Bung McNeese over there can Charlie go and have a <laughs> basketball game and that's okay. He's not flying halfway around the world to do it. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter whether it's, you know, he might have gone to the next suburb. He could have to play some Gaelic football. Anyway, he's uh, he'd be a real worry for Essendon because he was coming on and they were building a defence with him as a large part of it. They'd be wanting him to to harden up a little bit and either commit or go home so they can fill a list spot. Uh, Robbie Tarrant has hurt his foot as well, so he's having time out for North. Big one for North, Ben Brown. He's got a, a calf strain. You know, he's vegan, yeah? Yes, I know. You never fail to mention that he's vegan. Yeah, well, he doesn't like calling it a calf strain because it's named after an animal. He prefers lower leg strain oh from now on. He doesn't want to use animal terms. Speaking of North, they uh, they trotted out for the AFLW game yesterday wearing their blue and white. I actually really like the North colours. And it had Tasmania 
written straight across the front of it. So North Melbourne was gone. There's a kangaroo and just Tasmania written there. How do you reckon North fans feel watching that? I don't really care. I think it's great. Because? Well, you know, Lady Gardens are oh my also God. called <laughs> Maps of Tasmania. I'm just saying, that's it. Not going to say it anymore. I well, think it's great. Hang on a minute. It's hilarious. Does that affect their recruiting? <laughs> Leave it there. Oh, you, you can't start a, something rolling down the hill and then just stop it halfway. Watch me. Yeah, all right. She just gave me this look that actually said, don't talk about it anymore. So I won't. We're going to jump to the reader questions now, which you are reading out. Sure am. I can read. Was that a surprise to you this time around? Look, it's always a surprise to me. <laughs> Lucky okay. we have notes. <laughs> so, Elle asks, how much money does Channel 7 make off AFLW telecasts? Is there such a thing as Channel 7 anymore? Are they still in business? I wouldn't know. No, we don't really watch it. We watched um, any AFLW on Fox, and given that it's streamed live on the AFL website, I think the only money they're going to be making is from just your ad revenue during the games. I don't think they're, they're paid anything extra, given that it was just thrown in as part of the last TV rights deal, I believe. It'll be interesting, interesting to see what happens with the next one. I believe one of the reasons that AFLW wasn't expanded in terms of length of the season is that broadcasters wouldn't pay extra for extra games. So if the AFL actually wants them to have a longer season, they'll include it in the next broadcast rights, and that will have to be taken up by, by networks as well. And they'll have to pay for it. So at the moment, I think it's just, here's the games, put them on, get your ad revenue, just like any other, I suppose, sport that's on there, but no special deals with those guys at all. Okay, well, Scott asks, should Ben McAvoy play in defence this season? Outside of Grundy and Gorn, who are the other best five rucks? What a sentence. Yeah, <laughs> you really put that one together. Um, so the Hawks picked up a bloke named Sam Frost from Melbourne, who will play key position for them down back. But prior to that, Alistair Clarkson, Hawthorne coach, just for your info, thank you, came out and said that McAvoy will be playing across half back. I wonder whether there's anything in the re-signing of Jonathan Segler, where any assurances made about him playing number one ruck role come this year and that kind of prompted him to re-sign with the Hawks and Clarkson might have said well yeah we'll send McAvoy back he'll spend a lot of time across halfback it makes a bit of sense but with Frawley down there with Stratton down there with Frost down there I'm wondering whether Hawthorne could start getting a little bit too top heavy in the back line so it'll be interesting to see what happens as for the other rucks so you've got Grundy and Gorn they've kind of distanced themselves as number one and two you can throw Nat Nui in there when he's healthy, which is pretty rare these days. But when he's up and running around, he's probably pushing those two for best ruckman in the competition. Todd Goldstein from North Melbourne's left out of the equation all the time. The Todd. What a great name. Okay, sorry, keep yeah. going. Th thanks for your input. <laughs> <laughs> great footballing mind I have. So uh, he's one of the few men to have over a thousand hitouts in a season. So I think there's only been four blokes that have done it, and he's one of them. Young, young bloke down at St Kilda named Rowan Marshall just had his breakout year this year, or last year, sorry. And uh, you know, he's one of the, the few young blokes who doesn't get pushed around by the older guys. So I reckon you might see him really excel this year, particularly if he gets a bit of a break in the ruck and can go forward because he's got a great pair of hands. They've got Paddy Ryder that can slot in and help out. And the other one I'm going to throw in there has apparently got a pretty good hairstyle, according to you. Scott Lysette. Oh, he does. He does. Winner. Yep, so yep. in round one last year... I'm looking forward to his brown low appearance. 
you, know, you might not get an invite. Uh, he tends to get suspended and stuff. Well, it's pretty physical, so I expect that at some point he'll probably get reported for being a we'll bit We'll talk nasty. about him anyway. It's fine. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll petition the AFL to get him an invite <laughs> so you can see what he does with his hair on the night. Maybe we can do a live cross to Scott Lysette's house. <laughs> Let's invite him over. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, come, watch, come bring some product. <laughs> you could probably help me out. So I, I like the way he plays. He's pretty physical. His role with Paddy Roder last year didn't work. So at points in the season, they were both playing in the level below the AFL in South Australia. The Sandful, who still consider themselves a national football league, South Australian National Football League. Sandful. Yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty good acronym, even if it's not accurate. Um, yeah, but there's four. I've only written down four because I don't know, I don't know how to read instructions. <laughs> okay, so Benjamin wants to know who is the most underrated small. Smalls? Small? Smell? Smalls Smalls that are underrated. Let's go with that. So I'm guessing he means small forwards because that's where most of the small players play. Now, I've got Luke Bruce on this list from Hawthorne. He doesn't get a lot of press, but he is actually like a standout player. If you go back, back for the last six or seven years, he'd been the top handful of small forwards in the league. And every time he's been able to kick 40 goals in a season, Hawthorne make the finals. There's been two years in the last... Yeah, six years that he hasn't done it, and they're the two years that Hawthorne have missed out. There's Lockie Murphy at Adelaide. He's one of the ones I'm kind of predicting will have a big bit of a breakout season this year. He was playing second fiddle to Eddie Betts down there. Eddie Betts has moved to Carlton. I think Lockie Murphy was ranked 11th in the league for tackles inside 50 last year, but he basically spent most of his time making room for the big forwards and making room for Eddie Betts this year. He should probably be allowed to run his own race a little bit down there, and it'll probably result in a bit more of a more of an impact. Jason Castagna out at Richmond. Tiger fans will be happy he gets a bit of a nod. If he could kick straight, they'd be hailing him as the grand final hero because he, I think he kicked like five behinds in the grand final. Oh, mm. that must just be heartbreaking. He played really well. He just didn't finish. So he's <laughs> <laughs> a bit like Joe Ganino, just <laughs> never gets to finish. So yeah, okay. he's a, he, he's been around the mark for several years now, just does a lot of the hard work, tackles well, runs hard, gets up the ground, gets back, can mark. If he could just finish, he's got the Joganino syndrome. We should call it that constantly until it catches on. Yeah, well, speaking about catching things, Joganino. <laughs> I've put Sam Gray in here. He was top three for Port Adelaide last year in goals kicked, and Port Adelaide let him walk, so didn't trade him. Uh, came to delisting and he just wandered off and now will play at Sydney this year. I think he will, they'll live to regret letting him go. They're a team that they they have good small forwards anyway when they play well. So they have Robbie Gray, no relation. Very sad. And they also have a bloke called Connor Rosie who's he could be anything. It's <laughs> <laughs> a statement. Well, not as in like an animal <laughs> or some sort of space shuttle. As in a footballer, he could basically go out and do anything. So he'll, they'll miss Sam Gray at times. Someone will get injured. Someone will, you know, not be playing well. And Sam Gray would have been really good for them. And he's going to be really good for the Swans. Another bloke is Brent Daniels, up in GWS, and he kicked the goal to put the Giants in front of Brisbane in the finals last year. And they never looked back until the grand final. And they looked back quite a lot because they got belted. They did. That yeah. was very disappointing. But he's more your traditional sneaky little small forward. I like it's an underrated quality sneakiness for a small forward. If you can be sneaky, you're going to kick goals. We and, love sneakiness in oh, this yeah. house, though. 
I'm always doing. I sneak chocolates in. No, I don't. I don't do that at all. I sneak vegetables in. Yeah, into my food. It's pretty shifty. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it at all. Anyway, next all one. Right. So Evan asks, which club is closest to being one injury away from disaster? All of them. But more than all the others, Carlton. If they lose, who? Crips. Very good. Yes. Yes. See? People I, can learn. <laughs> I've got them and Fremantle. Because Fremantle lose who? Fremantle lose not Nat 5? Nat yes, five? Nat 5. You're kidding. You've got oh two in a God. row. Two out of two. We should end this podcast right here. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> she wants to go out on a high note. But Carlton and Freo are the two teams you look at, and they've got genuine superstars in there. If you lose Crips from that midfield, Carlton are in awful trouble. And if you lose Fife at Frio, they've got no one else. But uh, yeah, I look, did look at the Western Bulldogs and Bontempelli, but they've got quality midfielders around him. And I did look at Tom Mitchell at, at Hawthorne as well, but yeah, you've got O'Meara there to kind of... Well, it didn't really work last year. And I think they really miss Mitchell. But those two, Crips and Fife would damage Carlton and Frio almost beyond recognition. There you go. Elizabeth asks, will the umpires get it right this year? I'm going to answer this one. Go for it. No. 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 It won't know. happen. It will never happen. There'll be bad free kicks paid and, you know, someone will, Nick Nat will tackle someone and it'll be fine, but he'll get done for it and that's what will happen. Anyway, HB, go ahead. <laughs> Last season... There was all these you know, contentious free kicks. And what would happen is the AFL would come out and justify them a couple of days later and say, well, to the letter of the law, the umpire was actually correct. All the players would stop. It happened in the Essendon-Collingwood-Anzac Day game where a bloke got tackled, he fell to the ground, the ball bounced out, he had prior opportunity, and all the players stopped. They all knew it was a free kick. And the umpire's waving his arms going, play on! You know, we had a a shitload of views on our site that day because we were, we were talking about how poor it was. Terrible display of umpiring. But the AFL came out and ticked all the boxes and said no. They were, they were actually correct. All those decisions that the crowd was going nuts about were correct. Even neutral fans were going, this is an absolute joke. So no, the AFL won't get it right. The umpires won't get it right. Ever. Because there's always going to be half the crowd pissed off anyway. Yeah, I mean, they've got a pretty tough job. I actually feel quite sympathetic towards them. But, um, yeah, I, I, I know an umpire. He's an all right kind of guy. I know. It's not great. I know an ex-umpire. He used to umpire. And? And now he's a timekeeper, I believe. I think that's what they're called. He's a lovely guy. Is he good on decision making? Great question. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> he decided not to work with my team anymore, so quite possibly. Yeah, he might be real intelligent. <laughs> okay. Mel asks about tackling toxic masculinity in AFLW. I think that there are a subset of people who don't want women playing football. That's that's just, they're there. And apparently to change the channel or skip an article and move on is just too offensive and inconvenient for them. So they have to pop their heads up and say, it's rubbish. I hate it. Get it off. Why do you have to have it? I, I personally like the ones who take the time to write the comment, who cares? Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's my favorite one. It is. I mean, the answer is we, we don't know, Mel. We don't know what can be done to tackle toxic masculinity in AFLW. Um, HB and I talk a lot about what we want our site to be in great detail. 
and sometimes too much detail for me. <laughs> way too much detail for me. We don't want nasty people hanging out, really. Well, look, this I, is I a think footy site, not a let's let's have a big a bit wine. of a pylon. Yeah, uh, I think there's always going to be people who voice their disapproval, disapproval, and that's all right. People might might disapprove of my mispronunciation of disapproval. <laughs> But there's always going to be people who don't like it and people who will argue against it. And yeah, look, you know, I, I watch it and the standard isn't up to the same standard as the men, but I don't know if it has to be. I think what people get upset about is probably the level of coverage it's now getting and maybe the standard doesn't match that. But that might be more about their expectations than the actual standard. So, I mean, what can we do? We can notice it and we can continue to cover women's footy. I mean, we've we talked about that at the start of the year, whether mm. we'd cover the women's season or not. And we spoke about how we'd cover it too. And we said we'd cover it in the same tone as we cover the men's men's version, which is basically you praise the good, you call out the bad. And, yeah, you know, there's no sugarcoating. There's no, oh, they're, they're trying, at least they're trying stuff. That's patronising crap and I don't want to do that. And I was pretty strong on it. But we spoke about whether we should be covering all games. And I was like, oh, man, I really want the time off. <laughs> and you said... No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but we agreed we wouldn't do full extended game reviews yeah. because we just can't do that between us. It's exhausting. We have full-time jobs. We just yeah. can't. As I said earlier, we had we had three writers put their hands up to, to help us out on the AFLW coverage this week. And that's probably a third of the, the amount that would usually put their hand up and give us a hand with the men's competition. And that's just because there's no interest from those guys. And that's fine. They're not putting it down. They're not, you know, voicing disapproval. They're basically just saying, nah, I won't be available for it. Well, that's, that's the fine. thing. Might even be that these aren't their teams. Yeah, quite possibly. There's still plenty of teams that haven't got a license yet. Exactly. Okay, so Daryl is asking, should coaches be more like Ken Hinckley in stating he wants the flag this year? Well, this hasn't gone well for people in the past. Wait, this guy's just come out and said... We want the flag, or we're going to get the we're flag. Going, we're we're going for it this year. So they finished outside the eight, and it's not not that big a stretch, believe it or not. It's you know the Western Bulldogs did it in two thousand sixteen. Richmond did it in two thousand seventeen. Two thousand eighteen, the West Coast Eagles were predicted by many to finish down the bottom, and they won the flag. So just because Port had a bit of a shocker, it doesn't mean they can't. But coaches rarely come out and state this is our goal for this year to win the flag. I remember the Hawthorne coach, Peter Swab, Schwab, Schwab, yes. Schwab. Schwab, me hardies. Schwab the deck. <laughs> he said it in somewhere in the mid 2000s, I think it was about 2004, 2005. Uh, Maybe been like a year earlier, I don't know. It didn't end well for him. Every time Hawthorne got belted, he was ridiculed around that. It was like, oh, but they're, they're going to win the flag this year. So the team wasn't ready. Lo and behold, a few years later, 2008, Hawthorne win the flag. He wasn't around to see that. He was replaced, and his successor, Alistair Clarkson, still in the role with four premierships to his name. So he was a bit early. <laughs> but Hinkley knows this year it's all or nothing for him. So he knows they either have to make the finals or he's gone. And even if, he, even if they do make the finals and go out the first week, he's probably gone anyway. So he wants success. He had all his veterans last year, bar one in, in Travis Boak, have pretty poor years. So if he gets a lift from those guys, the kids keep developing. Look, there's this potential there, but it's a bit of a long shot they're going to win it. Okay. 
DJK. <laughs> DJK. It's D- Dan- Daniel John Kershaw. <laughs> DJK. It's his, it's his stage name. I was wondering there. I was like, why on earth does it say DJK? But Daniel, good. Which player would cheat at Monopoly? All of them. But I've got one, a former player that would cheat at Monopoly. I would not play Jason Ackermanis in any any form of competition at all. You'd think he'd swindle you. I reckon he'd uh, he'd be hiding money under the table. He'd be telling you he bought Park Lane. He didn't buy Park Lane. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. I went to the toilet. I came back. He's got a blue card in front of him, Jason Ackermanis. He'd cheat you, rob you blind. <laughs> he got banned from two golf clubs recently as well. <laughs> of course he did. What current players, though? Oh, jeez. Who's the most wholesome current player? Trent Cotchin. Trent Cotchin would cheat. You reckon that's his... Yes, that's his... absolutely. That's how, that's how wholesome people kind of let off steam. They cheat at board games and stuff. Ooh. Tom Mitchell is one of your favourites. He favorites. would never cheat. What does, he, what does he do then? He won the Brownlow like eight times and also got club best and fairest and Australian of the yes, year. You should see her face at the moment, <laughs> just really struggling to, to find something to say about Tom Mitchell. Okay. She was going to put money on him last year I can't to win even the Brownlow. His face, I've got no clue. <laughs> before the Brownlow. He didn't play for the whole year and she's like, I think Tom Mitchell might win. I'm like, just give me your money. <laughs> anyway, right. yeah, Joe Snackerman is for me. Now, James asks, is a Tassie team ever going to happen? Hmm. Eventually, you think it would. But I reckon they're probably seven to eight years away. They recently spoke about a five-year plan for Tassie, and the launch of a team wasn't in it. Oh, please. Every time anyone speaks about a five-year plan, it's actually a 25-year plan. Yeah, we do that at work. We have these... Uh, one of your ex-bosses has uh, action plans at my work. Classic yeah. action plans. The thing about action plans is there's never any actions. Yep. <laughs> it's basically just talking about what actions they would have if they were going to perform any actions. Well, it's in the plan. Yeah, well, we've yeah, planned that's why it. you have plans. Mm. You can go, that plan didn't pan out. That we'll wasn't in the plan. master plan, no, 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 so exactly. it doesn't matter. I reckon that uh, I, I can't see there being a 19th team in the league without there being a 20th, because no one wants to buy every week, all that sort of stuff. It really cocks things up. So if, if they're going to award a 19th license, they probably want a 20th as well. So when that happens, I have no idea, but maybe seven, eight years. Okay. James was asking about an American-style league. Oh, James is asking about a lot. Yeah, he's got okay. heaps. Okay, so James is asking about having an American-style league. Well, the AFLW kind of have that at the moment with conference systems, and it was met with a derision because last year. Because it's stupid. Well, they, they were in, I think, what, an eight- or ten-team competition. They had, had it split. It didn't make sense then. I suppose the benefits are that you can screw around with the fixture a little bit and have it more fair. You often hear about how the fixture isn't fair, how the you know, the, the scheduling isn't fair and some teams get more home games and you can really mix it up and kind of have have it have it a bit more equitable. But what you run the risk of is that you end up with a weaker conference and you end up with, say, the top three teams playing in one conference and a substandard team makes the grand final from the other conference and it's a foregone conclusion. So good and bad both. Okay. And James asks about player movement. Good for the off-season, but bad for the clubs. Uh, It's great for content for us. (laughs) I mean, it gives us something to write about and talk about. Um, I'm a big believer that free agency should be free agency. At the moment, the AFL have got a system that rewards clubs when a a player leaves. 
So they're rewarded with draft picks. So it's not true free agency like the US styles. It's a bastardized version that we've kind of compromised by saying, hey, well, you lost so-and-so. Here's a draft pick to make you feel better. Okay, so Paul asks, why is Brisbane going to win more flags than any other team in the next 10 years? (laughs) Paul, I reckon you'd settle for one flag, wouldn't you? I mean, I would for my team, next 10 years. All right, there you go, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) One flag for Brisbane, you'll be happy. Tom asks about St Kilda's off-season recruiting. So I bet we put them in categories, right? We'll go love, like, or love, really like, don't mind, like, and don't like. <laughs> you go for that. All right? <laughs> Why not? So, so I love the acquisition of Dougal Howard. Go on, have you, have you, have you 10 seconds here. Dougal Howard, MD. Yes, Dougal Howard. Hopefully does some smooth operating down there in defense. Oh. Well done, me. Well done, you. I really like the acquisition of Hill. I like the acquisition of Zach Jones. I don't mind picking up both Ryder and Butler. I like the loss of Jack Stephen. I think he'd run his race at St Kilda. I like the loss of Blake Akers because I think he'd done all he could there and wasn't going to get a better opportunity. Might be the kick in the pants he needs at Fremantle. I really don't like the loss of Josh Bruce. He really came on last year. Great contested mark, sixth in the league. He'll be missed and missed greatly. Okay. Brendan asks, what is expected at Adelaide with all the departures? Hmm. There's a few people that have chimed in on this already. Doom and gloom on one side and optimism on the other. I'm probably somewhere in between. You know, you got Tex Walker to the wing. Lockie Murphy I spoke about earlier, getting more responsibility. Healthy Tom Lynch, hopefully. Their midfield's still excellent. And surely Bryce Gibbs can't be as bad as he was last year. Uh, a lot of it will come down to how good Darcy Fogarty goes. You know, I love the fog. Mm-hmm. The foghorn. Oh, that's terrible. It was. Okay. <laughs> um, I think there was a question from Matthew who asked who you're expecting to have, what, what positional changes you're expecting at each club this year. It's going to take a bit of work, and I might do an article on that in the coming week or two, Matthew. So I haven't ignored it, mate. Um, just going to take a bit of a while to get to all that sort of stuff. And there's one thing I wanted to touch on before we finish up. I watched an AFLW game today. And it took 21 seconds from when the ball went out of bounds until it left the umpire's hand to come back into play. Now that, I'm not sure whether that's common, but because they come in from the boundary line, you know, 20 metres before they throw it in, this bloke was dicking about, you know, adjusting himself, getting himself all ready. And then he threw it back in. I'm thinking, I'm going to go back and time this. 21 seconds. And in AFLW, the, bo- the clock doesn't actually stop when the ball goes out of bounds. It keeps running. Does it stop in the men's game? Yeah, I think it does. Oh. So it stops in the last two minutes in AFLW right. when the whistle blows. But this guy's, you know, taking his time, getting the ball, wandering back at a you know, two-thirds pace. Then he finally lets the ball go. 21 seconds of wasted game time. The quarters are only 15 minutes as it is. So if that happens six times a, a quarter, look, I don't, I'm not a math magician. I don't know how, how much that is, <laughs> but it's a couple of minutes. And they should probably uh, have a look at getting it in a bit quicker. So that'll do for us this week. Don't forget to uh, have a check at themongrelpunt.com at every convenience that you get because we do update it and post a few new things. And uh, if you could support us with a membership, we'd be really, really appreciative. Thank you, Mrs. Mungrel, for your wonderful contributions as always. Yep. Just like that. (laughs) And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.